Hallelujah. Father, we give you the highest praise. You're worthy of our worship. We magnify you. We honor you. We give you praise to the name that is above every name. We give honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, bless them with some hand clapping in Jesus' name. Come on, you may be seated. You excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? It's so beautiful to be here with you all. We love you guys. We love, love, love you all. Two things before I bring the word today. The first is all of our volunteers. Do not forget, this Wednesday is our, our team event at the Howard Ave location. We want to uh, encourage you to come. It's going to be a good time. We're having a battle of the sexes, guys versus girls. And it's going to be awesome. The men are going to definitely win. Amen. God made us stronger for a reason. He made us first for a reason. God made Adam first to let him know everything that was going to be wrong with Eve. So without her hearing it, praise God. That's a joke that's not in the Bible, praise God. Don't hold me to that. Pastor said, you know, bless God. The second thing is, it's kind of a big announcement. We've made some difficult choices in the last couple of weeks. And uh, for the next two months, two months, right, John? The next two months, we're going to have service at Howard Avenue. The reason being is that the Klein wanted us to have a series of morning, night services and changing all of our times, and we need consistency as a church, amen? So for the next eight weeks, double services, Howard Avenue, it's going to be awesome. God's still going to move. We're still going to see growth. It might be a little tight, but it's going to be fun, amen? By the time we're done with this two months, you ain't going to ain't gonna be nobody you don't know in this church. You're going to be squeezing by them in the hallways, praise God. I'm excited to be in the house of God this morning. He's been doing some awesome stuff. I want to shout out two of my friends that are here. I hate to shout people out. My friend, Pastor Jawan from Huntington Chapel, and my friend, Pastor Josh Fay from Black Rock Church, came to visit us this morning. And um, I just want to give God some praise. So we're finishing up our, our awesome series on grace, undeserved grace, how God has lavished us and poured out on us in ways that we could not even thank him enough for and couldn't even imagine and, 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 and God is continuously moving in our lives through his power and through his, somebody say grace, grace and I'm excited because I get to preach this last thing which the Lord put on my heart this past couple of days and so if you turn within your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 6 2 Corinthians 12 verse 6, a scripture that some of us might be familiar with but hoping to shed some new light on the word of God, amen and we're talking today about grace's greatest hits. The greatest works of grace God has done in your life. Amen. Now, I don't know about you. I'm the kind of guy who every now and then I get a little sick. Praise God. Anybody here get sick at all? I don't know about you, but when I get sick, I'm a total girl. I got a nose like I'm running those honey. I'm just, I'm not going into that. I'm just, I'm just all done. I remember one time I'd hurt my back and my wife was at work. She works in Westport. We live in Bridgeport. And I, I laid down on the floor thinking I could stretch my back out and then I couldn't get back up. And I was stuck on the floor. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm stuck on the floor. I'm too weak to get myself up. My back was hurting so bad. And so I called my cousin from across the street because, you know, in Bridgeport, Puerto Rico, I got cousins everywhere. And I said, hey, I said, hey Teresa, I need a favor. What? Pick me up. Where are you at? Home. What do you mean? Like off the floor, pick me up. Please just come pick me up. Because at that point in time, I was literally too weak 
to do it myself. And she had to come over and she literally had to help me up off the floor. And every now and then you need God to help pick you up off the floor. You need his grace, his power, his strength. And today I want to talk to you about the grace of God, the power of God in your life. Amen. Listen to this text that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 6. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Look to somebody next to you and say, I am strong. Come on, bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's already blessed. We give you honor. We give you praise. We ask you to open our spiritual ears that you might be able to speak unto us. That this word would fall on good soil and it would not be taken away today from us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul, in this verse, is writing to a church in a place called Corinth. And this is our second book of, of Corinth. Um, there's actually four books, two have been lost. We don't know where they're at. But Paul had a great deal of trouble with the church in Corinth. Uh, one of the primary problems he had with the church in Corinth where there was people, apostles, or fake apostles as the Bible might call them, who would go in there and they would try to kind of undermine the validity of Paul's ministry. They would try to tell the people in Corinth that Paul isn't really an apostle and they try to discredit Paul. And so in these verses, Paul has taken a stance where he is talking about all of the accolades that he has that makes him a good apostle. Among them, he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I have this education. I've done that. He names all these things. But in naming these things, he, he goes to this place where he says, I don't want to boast about who I am or what I have done. Because how many of you know that what you have done is insignificant in, in, in retrospect of what God has done in your life? And so he's saying, I don't want to boast about all these things. As a matter of fact, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast about my weakness, which sounds absolutely crazy. But Paul elaborates. Paul says that God allowed for him. God did not give him, but God allowed for him to endure what he calls a thorn in his side. We don't know what it is. Many believe it to be maybe a physical ailment, maybe migraine headaches. Uh, one person went as far as to say maybe he just had body odor that God wouldn't let him get rid of. We don't know what it was. But something that was troubling to Paul that Paul saw maybe as a limitation in the beginning. And Paul says, I've asked for God three times to take this away from me, but God has yet to do so. And he says, I prayed, I pleaded, meaning I cried out to God. I went before God. Have you ever gone before God and asked him dearly to remove something from your life? Have you ever said, God, take this man out my life? I don't want to be with Pookie no more. Have you ever said, God, just remove Maria from my life. She is no good for me. God, I don't want these. I don't want that. And Paul says that God allowed him to endure something. And when he prayed and pleaded with God, here's what the scripture says. That God said to him, verse 9, my grace is sufficient 
My grace is sufficient for you. Oftentimes, when we think of grace, we only think of grace in the context of God's saving grace. But God's grace is also power in your life. It's also the authority and the ability to get over things. And Paul is saying, I have the right to boast in human eyes. I've had a great revelation through the word of God. I, I have all these things. I've planted all these churches. I've had ministry around the world. I've endured for the cross. I've done all these things. But yet, I can't boast because God has given me this thorn in my side to keep me from becoming conceited. Some of you need some thorns, praise God. Keep you from becoming conceited. Amen. No amens there. That's cool. That's right. That's good. Get the podcast on that one. And Paul says, God, in order to keep me from thinking more of myself than I should, allowed me to endure something that humbled me. And when I prayed to God, God said, but my grace is, somebody say, sufficient for you. God's response to Paul is to state the sufficiency of his grace towards Paul in the midst of the struggle. God declares to Paul that his grace is sufficient. In, in the English word, this grace, this word rather sufficient means adequate. It means enough. But in the original Greek, this word sufficient, its primary definition is to be possessed with unfailing strength. I'll say it again for you. It means to be possessed with unfailing strength. Here's point number one. Grace gives us unfailing strength. God says to Paul, I would let you off the hook with this, but my grace, I want you to lean in on me and not on yourself. I've given you unfailing strength, and the lie of the enemy is to get you to feel as if you are about to break, but God says, I've given you unfailing strength in your life. I've given you the ability to withstand the works of Satan, to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Tell your neighbor, you have unfailing strength. That's God's response to Paul. You've been possessed with unfailing strength of the spirit of the living God. And that when Paul was feeling like weakness or sickness that he was experiencing was too much to bear, that he should lean in on the strength that God provides. God provides strength and authority for the believer. God points to unfailing strength that he had already given Paul. If I had a moment to talk to you about all the things God has already already given you that you have yet to access all the things that God has endowed you with that you have yet to experience he's given you unfailing strength this thing that Paul was going through was no small thing he said it pummeled him from being boastful, from being conceited. It was a thorn to his side. It was something big that Paul was, was enduring. This is one of the hardest things that Paul might have had to endure. It's so bad that it humbles him from becoming high-minded of himself. And when he asked God to deliver him, God says, no, I won't deliver you. I've given you strength to endure it. This is a promise that I can hold on to, to know that when I face troubles, he won't always take me out, but he will get me through. He won't always remove the pain, but he will help me through the process. He, he won't always take and deliver me from my immediate circumstance. He will give me a vision of my present and my future place where I can endure because I see where he's taken me. Because half the battle is knowing that God has your back. The other half is knowing where he's taken you. And Paul says, God told me he's given me unfailing strength. A strength that goes beyond my human limitations. 
a strength that goes beyond my own abilities, a strength that nobody else, no man can give me, no counsel can give me. I can't walk to my wife and say, help me with this, God. His strength is greater than what anybody can offer you. Better than my cousin getting me off the floor, praise God. He says, I've given you unfailing strength. It's like God says to Israel in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. The scripture is in correlation to the people of Israel being captives and and God saying, yeah, I know your situation. I get it. You know, I kind of helped put you there, but if you would just wait on me, if you would just have patience on God, if you would not make your own moves, if you would not always try to be God and try to play God. And some of us, we, we get into situations where it's 99.9% of our own actions. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. Then God begins to help us. And we go back to our own way. And God says, no, you need to wait on me because when you wait on me, no, I will not take you out. No, I will not heal you right this moment. No, I will always do an instant work, but I will give you strength to get through. You will run and not grow weary. You will mount up with wings like a nigga. You'll be able to soar above this situation. You will walk and not be faint. You will be able to endure, to get through, not to get out. So Paul says, I'm in the midst of this hardship, but I realize that I am possessed by unfailing strength that is enough to carry me, and it's God's grace that empowers me even in the midst of weaknesses. And Paul might have pleaded with God to remove it, but God points to his sufficiency of grace. God points to what he's already done in your life. Are you hearing me? Divine power is best displayed against the backdrop of human weakness. Because sometimes you don't know that God is there. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the house today. Sometimes you don't recognize that God has been there all along. If I can give you a really simple illustration, if I were to take and to pull this back from afar, you couldn't tell the light was there. But once you put the backdrop there, you can tell it's there. Here is, here is God, and here is human weakness. God brings in weakness, and suddenly you see that God has been there all along. Suddenly you see that the battle is not with you and the devil. It's the strength of God in you, and you having to trust on God's strength. God's divine power is best displayed on the backdrop of human weakness. And it's when you understand that God is present that you can lean in on this sufficient strength. This unfailing strength that God has given you for even at your worst, God is at his best. At your worst, God is at his best. Are you hearing me today? And and the beauty of this is that we don't deserve this. But nonetheless, from his riches of mercy and grace, God lavishes it on us. And then God says this, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul asked God for this, to remove this, and God says, no, my grace is sufficient. And then God says, well, also my strength is made perfect in human weakness. If I could for a moment begin to entertain your mind that maybe God's power is much like a battery. You need both positive and negative for the charge to work. And oftentimes, you don't realize that sometimes when you go through something negative, if you allow God's positive power into your life, you'll begin to see the working of God in you. You'll begin to see, and here's the trick of the enemy, is every time that you endure something, every time a hardship presents itself, you remove yourself from the presence of God. You say, well, I'm not going to go to church. 
Well, I'm not going to walk with God. I'm going to get drunk tonight. I'm going to go sin because I'm upset. And so I'm going to try and abandon God, even though I know tomorrow I'll run right back to him. I'm going to be mad at my brother in Christ. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And we do all these things not realizing that when we get into the presence of God and we allow God's presence to get into the midst of our problems, it is then that the power of God is at work in us. God needs the negative in your life to display his perfected power in you. Here's simple point number two. God's full capacity comes when I'm fully extended. When, I'm, when I can't do no more myself, God's capacity comes. When I'm at my limitation. He said, my strength is made perfect in, somebody say, weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And, and, and this, this is good because it tells me and it shows me that when I'm at my lowest, that God, in his mercy, God says, my strength is perfected. This is the Greek word teleo. This Greek word is really cool because this word tell means full extension, full capacity. And I brought a little toy, a little pirate telescope that I thought was broken yesterday, but it's not. It was just me not using it right. Praise God. And I can go and I can pull this out to its first magnification level. And I can look, but I'm still not at maximum level of power. The lenses within it are not yet fully used to their full capacity. Are you with me, church? And much like this, we go through a small situation and yet don't lean on God. And then we have to get to that second level of capacity. And then we are using it more as a tool. It's a better use. It's at better extension, but it's not full yet. And yet inside, the lenses are not being used to the fullest capacity. It's not till you get to the fullest extension that you begin to be able to see further and see clearer. It's then that you use all the lenses within this. It is only till you have reached your human limitation that we often rely on God and say, God, I'm done. I can't do anymore. So it's why God says my strength is perfected in your weakness because your hands are finally out of the way. You are no longer making a mess. I can finally get to work. I can finally do the work of my Father in you. God's capacity is always best when you are fully extended, when you are letting God use you and stretch you. Pastor Lori talked about it earlier. There is nothing for us in our comfort. Everything God ever called someone to do in the Bible was outside their comfort zone. You've got to be fully extended to be able to experience the capacity of God in your life the way he would desire for you. But the truth is many of us quit before we get to that place. Many of us call someone to help us before we get to that place. Many of us would do anything but let God work in us. We would choose our own strength rather than God's. We'll choose our friends. Can I keep it real for a moment? We'll choose Facebook over coming to God. Yeah. We'll talk to people and friends, but we don't go to the throne. We don't go to God and we don't say, God... I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this no more, God. And this word teleo in the Greek, it's, it's, it's cool because the, the root word tell in the Greek, it means to reach the end. And what it says is my strength is perfected, meaning my strength is, per- I'm able to reach the end in you. I'm able to take you to the finish line when you let me work in you. I'm able to take it. I'm able to go and do work in your life that you could never otherwise do yourself. 
only if you are fully extended in me and you let me work in you. When you fully extend and say, God, I want you in my life. God, I don't want to keep on making these bad choices. God, I feel like I can't take one more step, one more day without your power. I need, I need you. If you want to see God at the full capacity in your life, you've got to be fully extended before him. At the point of God, I, I'm, I'm at the bottom. And when you get to the bottom, you're going to find that God's there. He's there under you, as the book of Exodus says, with his everlasting arms around you. That's the God we serve. And Paul is talking to these people again. And, and mind you, he's talking about his weakness. And he's talking about it in a glorious capacity because he understands that in his weakness, God is working through him. And so many of us, we pride ourselves in our strength. But this man prides himself in his weakness. Because in his weakness, God gets the glory, not him. I preach in my weakness. I, I tell you all the time. I'm, I'm not smart enough to be up here. I promise you, I have no credentials to show you. I'm not smart enough to be here. So I preach from my weakness and say, God, use me. Whatever you desire, I'm yours. God, I, I, don't, I shouldn't be here. This church shouldn't be in this building. We shouldn't, we don't. We, we mistaked our way here, but thank you, God. That's your grace. That, that's... You have to minister and do things from your weakness. Step out on faith in your job and your weakness. Now, I'm not qualified, but I'm going to apply for that position because God's with me. In my weakness, he'll do it. Because I have favor and favor, that, that's better than anything. In my weakness. You know, I, I father my children from my weakness. You know, I've never been a dad before. This is like my first time around. But I do it and I say, God, I need your help because I don't know how to talk to a two-year-old who only knows about 17 words and most of them are no and different forms of no. I need your help, God. I've never been married before. I, I live with my wife in my weakness because I need God to show through me. And when people mock our church and people make fun of us and people talk about you because you're a Christian, you have to let God work in you through that. And, and Paul's like, I'm going through something really hard. This is tough. I even pleaded with God. He's telling this church, I begged God to take it away. And the dude said, no. Would you believe it? He said, no. For all you non-Spanish speakers, I'm sorry. Just, I slipped. I slipped. I don't even know what it means. I just know it's funny. I slipped. And, and he's like, God said, no. He said no, and, and, but verse 9, the second half of it, he says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that I can brag on the power of God in me and that no man thinks higher of me than they should. I can say I was so weak, but God. I was, I was not good enough, but God, this is why, for Christ's sake, he, this, this guy's crazy. He's absolutely nuts. I delight in weakness. Like, I delight in cake. He delights in weakness. I delight in, in pernil. He delights in weakness. I delight in Dolce, you know, lattes and Starbucks. 
says, I delight myself in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, I'm actually strong. This is what he says. When I stop and let God work in me, that's when I'm really strong. Because some of us think we're strong. But you got to change your definition of strong to be within the context of what God says is strong. Because in our own strength, Satan would have had us defeated. But because of his undeserved grace, because because of his grace, Paul, Paul says that I dare not boast about accolades and human accomplishments. I rather boast in the fact that when I'm weak, God is doing a mighty work in me and through me. While I'm weak, I'm writing a letter to you that for 2,000 years would be held as holy canon. Come on, in his weakness, God was working through him. And some of us think that in your weakness is the evidence that God has abandoned you. But you might not be able to see him right now in the moment, but in the memory 10 years from now, you're going to see him. You might feel abandoned right now, but there'll come a time where you look back and say, if, oh, it was only God. And Paul's saying, I, I, this, in one version he says, I'm content. Like, I'm content after good things. He's content after bad things. Guy has lost his mind for Jesus. He's lost his mind for Christ. He loves him. And he says, Man, I'm going through things, but I'm content. I'm being insulted by people who I once called friends because now I serve God. I don't do the things they do and they make fun of me and they call me all types of names and they try to play me on social media. But man, because of God, I'm content. In trials, Paul's content. In calamities and persecutions, there was an inner working of God's sufficient unfailing strength that Paul says I can rest and lean on this and here's point number three and I'll close with this is that God's greatest grace meets us in our greatest weaknesses God's greatest grace will meet you in your greatest weaknesses because the greatest memories of God's working in your life will be when you are at your weakest moments and in the weakest moments is the moments that we try our hardest to get through on our own and God says you don't have to because I am here right now with you to meet you in the place of your weakness, to meet you in the place where you thought you couldn't get through, to meet you in the place where you are here with me. Paul's making it clear, he's making something clear that grace has changed his perspective. Grace has changed his perspective. Before, trials would make him feel weak, but now trials are opportunities to see God make him strong. Before, insults and persecutions were unbearable to him, but now he can endure them because he understands they're more about the Christ in him than him himself. With the new perspective on God's grace, a trial becomes something you can overcome. So is why James could write in chapter 1, verse 2 of the book of James, consider it pure joy when you endure trials of all kinds, knowing that they work in you to grow endurance. With a new perspective on grace, we know it's all achievable that this present 
moment of hardship is nothing in comparison to where God is taking us. And even if not in this life, in the next. Because of his grace, I know that I can pull through. Because of his unfailing strength, I know that there is a God who is behind me and he is greater than anything I have ever known or imagined. He stands over this building even now in great mercy over us, strengthening me, sustaining me, even as I speak to you. And likewise, he's present and here for you. His unfailing strength. I could look back over my life and celebrate not the moments of hardship, but the moments of God's mercy. The moments of God, I can celebrate now the goodness of God. Maybe like nine months ago, I was with some friends. We were driving back from going out to eat after church. We were talking about our high school days, which is about 11 years ago for me. Getting old, praise God. And remember, you know, when you go down memory lane, the first thing that comes up is music. Remember that song when we were in high school? Like, yeah. And so we started looking up songs. We were driving in the car. We started putting on, I started putting on different songs. I went for the, you know, the one, number one, you know, Carlos Santana, Maria, Maria. Maria, Maria. I'm sitting there just like, we're like, every time we put a new song on, we're like, oh, this will be my jam. Y'all laughing because you do the same thing. Praise God. So I started, you know, I wasn't good with naming songs. So I looked up, I looked up on my phone. I looked up Gear 2000 Greatest Hits. And it brought me a list of things, songs, that I had forgotten about. Are you with me? And we began to cycle through all these songs. But now, in my life with God, I don't really listen to music. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I just really focus on God and listen to Christian music and sermons. But when I want to look back over my life, I don't Google anything. I do a mental search of, of grace's greatest hits in my life. I think of all the times that I shouldn't have made it out and how the goodness and mercy of God carried me through. I remember when I was a kid and I was riding a bike down in Beardsley and I went down a hill and I hit the tree and God knows, who knows? Maybe I could have gone into the river and died, who knows? But God, when I was younger and my father could barely afford things and sometimes we would go to bed hungry, sometimes having to sleep with our coats on, Sometimes just doing things that most families didn't have to do. But because of his mercy and grace, I'm here. God carried me through. I tell you all the time, he strengthened me when my dad died, helped me carry the church through him. All the things he's done here and now, you can look back over your life and say, I thought that divorce would have killed me, but I made it through. I thought that hardship, that sickness would have took me out, but his healing power came over me. I thought that that, a, that friend who turned their back on me would have ruined me, but God is here with me. I thought that all these things would have destroyed me, but for some reason, I am standing in the place that I should be laying down dead because God has strengthened me. He's carried me through it. His unfailing strength has possessed me. His unfailing strength has done a work in me. His grace is sufficient for me. And when I thought failure stared me in the face, I serve a God who stared it right back and said, I've got you in my grip and I won't let you go. And I am standing with you even now. When my children ran from God, he'll tell you, I've got you covered. When you think like things are out of your grasp, he will help you. He will sustain you because that's the God you serve. You serve a God who will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can 
mercy and the grace of God is strengthening you even now. So is why we can say with boldness that weapons will form, but they shall not prosper. Though a thousand may fall at my left hand, ten thousand at my right, nothing will come nigh my house and my dwelling place. I, I wish I wish you could really understand what I'm saying to you. That I serve a God who has never, ever failed. I serve a God who in a millennia has not taken one loss. And if he's in me, then I'm more than a conqueror. And Paul, Paul was able to boast in his weakness. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity to boast right now in your weakness. That maybe you're enduring something. Maybe you're going through something right now. Maybe everything in your life is not the way you think it should be. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's hardship. Whatever it may be. But Paul says, I boast in my weakness. I delight in it. I want to give you the opportunity to delight in your weaknesses. I want to give you the opportunity to praise him in the midst of brokenness. To praise him in the midst of hardship. To give him glory when you don't got the answer. To give him praise when you don't know what's going to happen. But you know one thing. There is a God inside of me. He is stronger than the strongest river. He is taller than the greatest mountain. He is greater than the vastest ocean. This is my God. I'm going to count to three. And I dare you to give him a praise. One, I dare you to shout it out too. It may not seem like victory. Come on, three. I dare you to pray. Praise them. Because you know you've got the victory. You've got the victory. You've got it now. We're about to leave, but that was cute. Because some people think it's foolish to praise God before the job is done. Some people in this room act like you ain't got nothing to thank God in advance for when you are living in some messes. Just because you got certain things right in your life, but there is a mess on the interior. We all gotta, I dare you to give God a crazy praise. But God told me, we got to celebrate. We got to be strong in our weakness through him. You got it right now. Come on, praise him. If you got to shout, then shout. If you got to jump, then jump. Whatever it takes, I'm strong right now. He's with me. He's with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Glory to God. Woo! When I'm weak, you made me strong. When I was falling, Lord, you caught me. You never abandoned me, God. Glory to God. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. God's moving in people's hearts. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen.
You might be here and think that we're absolutely nuts, and we are. It's fine, but it's for Jesus. Makes it totally okay. You think we're crazy because we're praising a God for something that hasn't happened yet. And maybe you're saying, Pastor, I don't know that Jesus, but something in me right now is drawing me to him. Come on, if you don't know Jesus and you want to accept him right now as your Lord and Savior, would you lift your hands as high as you can with no shame? My God, hands are going up everywhere. My God, hands are going up everywhere. My God. You don't know him. Maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe you felt like you couldn't do it no more. Right here, right now, God is with you. God is with you right here, right now. Come on, church. There's people whose hands are up all over. Let's pray even now with them. Let's pray in boldness with them this prayer of salvation. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to accept your Son as my personal Savior. I believe that He died on the cross for my sins. I accept Him as my sacrifice. I confess with my mouth. Come on, I believe in my heart that Jesus, He is Lord. And I want to walk with you all the days of my life to the glory of the God Father, to the glory of the Father. Come on, lift up your voices. Would you shout amen? Would you shout glory to God? Come on, He's here right now.